Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. International News Review. All right, time to get into our international news review. As always, Steve Oaken is joining us, the senior advisor at McClarty Associates. Steve, good morning. Welcome to a slightly different good time, mor- t- slightly different time slot for you. A little earlier in your solo, but great to be with you, GB. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just got to tough it out on your own, as you well know. Uh, Steve, uh, so much happening in the world. Let's start first this past week. Um, was a big foreign policy week for the Biden administration. Joe Biden addressed the G7 summit, also the Munich security meeting there. Uh, tell us about what the upshot of that was. Well, I think the two main headlines are that like, the U.S. is back, the world. The U.S. is back to working with its allies. The U.S. is back to to taking that type of leadership role, being at the G7, being in security, coming back, you know, officially to Paris on on climate now. But also you had a little bit, a little bit of a pushback, especially from, you know, France and Germany saying, you know, yes, we, we are we are celebrating. This is a time to celebrate that your your presidency and and that we're past the last four years. But. That doesn't mean Europe is going to be lockstep with the U.S. and everything. And, and China will be the biggest one in terms of how Europe and the EU engages with China. So good feelings, good good messaging, but it's not going to be totally smooth sailing going forward. Is it too early to say that the U.S. has has lost unrecoverable ground in global uh, in the in the global view of of U.S. power? Biden mentioned something about we, we want to work hard to earn back our leadership position, uh, something, some words to those effect. Is there too much space that's that's already been gone with the, the relationships that Trump said they, he didn't really want to have anything to do with? It lost. It's certainly lost. Unrecoverable. I don't think so. And, and it's going to depend on two things. It's going to depend on U.S. leadership, U.S. engagement, and can the U.S. work collectively on all of the key issues the world faces going forward uh, with its allies. But can it also recognize that, that its allies can have a different priority? And in, in, in certainly in China is going to be the big one on, on economics and trade and potentially on sanctions. So how is the, or the allies going to balance that? And will it look like Trump's just going to come back and be president four years from now or someone like Trump, because all the things that if Biden does can be undone, that is going to cause some concern. So certainly more than ever, allies, competitors are like are going to be watching the U.S. political scene to see what happens to the Republican Party. Steve, the other side of this coin is the fact that Europe has changed as well in the last four years, right? Everything from Brexit to uh, a more nationalistic, inward-looking posture for many countries at the same time that it was happening in the U.S. So this isn't necessarily just about the U.S., is it? It's about how European countries have changed and and how they think about themselves now vis-a-vis the rest of the world. Well, every country in the world basically has, has had to get more agency over themselves over the past, if not four years, certainly the past two years, with that combination of the U.S. going to America first policy, working unilaterally, coupled with the pandemic, coupled with countries saying we need resilience in our own supply chains. We can't count on anybody anymore. Let's look and see what happens with the vaccines, for example. Do people just take care of themselves or do countries work to help other countries get vaccinated. So yeah, the whole world has changed, not just Europe over the past really two years. Part of it was Trump 
And part of it was COVID and part of it is China. Mm. Uh, let's let's move on. We just had the Biden administration uh, yesterday within the past probably 18 or so hours announced that it was going to be giving federal aid to the state of Texas. Uh, as many of our listeners and viewers know, there was a huge snowstorm there this past week, unprecedented in decades, leading to uh, power outages, lack of water, etc. And, and now the federal government's going to step in and, and bring your money. One of the big uh, oops stories of this particular cycle was the senator from Houston, Ted Cruz, and the fact that he uh, took off and uh, took his daughter to Cancun on Wednesday and abruptly was flamed on social media and came back on Thursday. Uh, he's, he's had about four or five different reasons or excuses or explanations. Uh, where has he landed now with, with uh, what he's saying to everybody as to why he took this trip? Well, to, to, to kind of put it in perspective, you have to understand how Ted Cruz was viewed before all of this happened. His fellow senator, Lindsey Graham, fellow Republican senator Lindsey Graham, about a year or two ago said, if you kill Ted Cruz on the Senate floor and the trial was in the Senate, nobody would convict you. <laughs> so not well liked even among many in his own party, huh? <laughs> exactly. Just arrogant and, you know, holier than thou and criticizing other politicians all the time for like being, you know, for engaging in hypocrisy, saying, oh, you should wear a mask, but then being seen out without a mask. And so it was all just so coming to him. And this was really in, in, in the U.S., and not just in the U.S., this is globally. If your constituents are in a crisis, you don't abandon them. Yeah. If your country is burning and you're the prime minister of Australia, you should not be going to Hawaii. Yeah. And, right, and, and he learned, you know, Prime Minister Morrison learned that fast. This was just so simple for Ted Cruz. You, know, you have people dying because the mm. government has mm. failed them in their state. And what do you do? Oh, I'm going to go to Cancun for four or five days. Mm. It also shows to me what a terrible either staff he has, because like if I were his staffer and he said, oh, I'm going to Cancun, you better you're immediately going to say, are you nuts? Mm. You mm. can't do this. But he had nobody there to tell him that. So his political instincts were off. He doesn't have a good staff to help him out. He's so unliked. Now, the U.S. has such a short memory on scandal, and he's not up for election for four years. We'll see what happens. But he's lucky if he's not, because this was just the cardinal sin. You don't abandon your, your constituents yeah. in the midst of well, it. It was interesting, too, because at first he said, well, it was a pre-planned family vacation. And then he said, well, I just went to take and drop off my daughter as if he was just going to fly several hours and then return. And, you know, there, meanwhile, he's toting a big suitcase, a big suitcase for himself, <laughs> behind himself, which would not exactly be an overnight bag, right? Uh, so, you know, he's, he's come up with all these crazy excuses. And it just, if you know, for, for a politician, as you say, who has gone to great lengths to criticize other. In fact, last year or the year before when the California wildfires were burning and he was criticizing California and its power supply and, and you know, everybody, uh, you know, and here he is, right? Right in the middle of it in his own state. So uh, do you think... Well, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was just going to say two lessons, though, that but broader than just Ted Cruz, because part of this is one, as you mentioned, he said, he lied. He said, I was going to go down there for the day and come right back. Yet his original ticket was booked on United to a return on Sunday. <laughs> Wednesday not to Sunday. Wednesday. Yeah. And, and that leaked, right? That leaked. Of course so it he, does. Boy, you better not lie if you know there's out there. And then his wife was on a chat group of her neighborhood called, <laughs> by the way, not making this up, 
the name the name of this chat was the lovelies yeah. <laughs> which is bad enough and the lovelies she his wife is talking about hey we, it's so cold and miserable here cancun's got a deal at the ritz for 309 dollars a night or whatever <laughs> it was we should all go down and then that leaked and so you better be really careful if you're going to be a Potwick figure and, and, uh, and what you put out, out there. And we look, we all do it. We all do things we shouldn't do. But boy, it, it, this one really came to him. Unbelievable! It's just it just boggles the mind. Boggles the mind. Anyway, okay, let's move on from that. Hey, let's talk right now uh, about what's going on in Singapore because just uh, the other day, I believe it was Thursday, the new Connect at Changi business facility was open. Now, this is a pilot short-stay facility for executives who want to come into Singapore, have meetings without having to go through a two-week quarantine, but in a safe way, and then be able to leave right away. What do we know about this uh, this new um, opportunity, this new facility? Well, you know, when I read about it, it reminded me of something that uh, the CEO of, of UPS, when I worked there, Mike Eskew, would say. And he said, look, I want you to all fail small fast. Right. I want you if you fail small fast, if you try something and it doesn't work, but we didn't spend a lot of money and we got in and out quick, but we learned from it. That is going to be uh, acceptable. If you fail large slowly, that's not acceptable. <laughs> Don't not so good. Millions of, not so good. Spend millions and millions of dollars in a year or two on a project and it fails. That's bad. Fail small fast. Good. Yeah. And this reminds me of that mentality, right? Mm. And, and, and like, the, what, you know, the, the Tomasic, which is behind this, like they said, this isn't guided by commercial considerations. Um, and the deputy, you know, Prime Minister Heng Sui Kit said that, look, until we, there's no standard planning for the pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen. And in le- until you try something, you don't know what works and you don't know what doesn't work. So this is that. Is business travel going to come back? How quickly will it come back? Under what conditions will it come back? So here you have a facility at Changi where you have foreigners that can come in without any quarantine whatsoever. Those of us here in Singapore can meet with them through a glass partition, right? So you won't be able to actually physically meet, but you'll be in the same room separated by glass. And you can have a meeting with people from all over the world or all you know, different countries coming in yeah. and being in the same room. Maybe you can see somebody face to face, at least, you know, through plexiglass, but you could see them face to face if you're trying to do a business deal. Is this going to fly? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, are people going to spend that money? Who knows? Is, is Zoom going to be good enough? Is it because this isn't in person? Yeah. But let's, you know what? And Singapore is going to be out there. It's got a kickstart. It's got a kickstart. It's it's business hub. It's got a kickstart travel. So why not give this a shot? I mean, it's a great idea. One of the interesting things, it's it's so it's going to be out at the Singapore Expo, right? And Max Atria halls seven to ten. Now, those of us who have been to anything at Expo, we know how huge those <laughs> halls are, right? And at, at the Singapore Expo, so they've got, as I'm reading it, 150 rooms to sleep in, 40 meeting rooms that can hold up to uh, four to 22 attendees. It will expand if they need to to host up to 1,300 business travelers at a time. The room is about 380 something dollars a night to stay at the expo in a room that's been built in one of the halls. They, I mean, they look good according to the pictures we've seen, but, but it is fascinating, right? Because the expo, of course, is sitting there doing nothing. So right away they've, they've figured out, uh, I shouldn't say nothing. They were using it for some of the COVID local cases before, but now they're repurposing that. So, I mean, that in and of itself is driving business to the expo and, and all the, the ecosystem of workers there. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to help at least at, on some level, right? 
Well, like, I, I, this is not out. They're not out there to make money on this, yeah. right? I mean, it, it's just let's try it and, and let's see what happens. I think it, you know, and it's an interesting question because there's a whole focus now on sustainability mm. that we didn't have pre-COVID. COVID is it's look obviously the sustainable development goals were developed by the UN in 2015. Right. That meeting these targets is not new, but COVID has accelerated the need to do all of this. And if you're a business, especially if you're in the services sector, you, your, your carbon footprint is driven primarily by two things. It's by your office space and it's by travel. And so is business travel going to come back as businesses try to be more sustainable? We don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and so I think this will be a, a sign to see are people going to be willing to pay the carbon cost in addition to the 300, I think it was $349 a night for yeah. a four-star accommodation. Yeah. I, we'll find out. So this, this isn't about money. Right. It, it, it wasn't expensive, as you mentioned. The facilities were all there. You, you built some rooms in there. You put some plexiglass in there. You clean them up. And then see what happens. Um, I'm, I'm pessimistic that, that I, I think when you throw in the sustainability piece – that this is how business is going to be done in the future. I think it'll be more virtual than in person, mm. but you don't know it, it, until you until you try it. Yeah, the um, it's interesting because you mentioned earlier the airtight glass panels. So it literally, picture a conference room with an airtight glass <laughs> panel separating the conference table. Right, so you can sit on one side and people can sit on the other. Separate entrances and exits, of course. Different ventilation systems. I mean, it's unreal how they're engineering this. They <laughs> they even I don't know if you saw it's it's like a container that you put documents in. <laughs> the documents are sterilized and then go to the other side of the glass wall. Uh, so if you need to share some physical artifact uh you could do that and say it's just it's it's just singapore you know that's all you can say it's singapore once again doing what it does doing what it does being out front trying new things seeing seeing what we can do i mean you only need those document sharing is is if you're gonna have to sign something and you're to do some signing ceremony i don't know if the signing ceremonies are Mm. quite have the impact if you're doing it you know through a tray <laughs> as opposed to having the logos behind you and you're at the table and you're both signing documents for a business and handshake so and all that it'll lose a, it'll lose a little bit of its of, it, of, of its celebratory value uh, a flavor that's for sure it's very interesting all right steve <laughs> thanks so much hey anything anything on the radar this week which anything we should be looking out for particularly or, or are we just going to uh, wait and see mode oh you know no trump comes out of it Trump comes out of retirement. He's been retired, I think, or all of three weeks or so. And they just announced that he's going to speak at the biggest conservative uh, gathering, annual gathering every year. And he, he always would have done it. There's a famous picture of him speaking at it from last year, holding the, like hugging the flag. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, and he's going to come out and he is going to bash Joe Biden's immigration. Awesome. Can't wait for that. Looking forward to it. And, and, <laughs> This is all about the Republican civil war. Whose side is it going to be on? Are the Republicans and going to continue to focus on immigration as opposed to other issues? A huge thing to watch to see how, how this develops. Not We know what Trump's going to say. We don't need to watch to mm-hmm. see what Trump says. It's how the party reacts and how, how everybody else reacts to it will be the question. Steve, we will keep an eye open for it. Thank you again, as always, uh, for coming on today, International News Review. Appreciate it. My pleasure, GVZ. International News Review. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.